Hey everyone, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I got a nice little bonus episode for you guys today. We had our full episode with Benji Ritholtz, so be sure to check that out. But I sat down with Tony East from the Locked On Pacers podcast as well, previewed the Knicks Pacers matchup and everything that's you know there to talk about. The Pacers have struggled a little bit so far to start this season. The Knicks, as we talk about, have had their own struggles in different ways, despite being five and two. And we sort of just talk about the matchup, guys that we're excited to see play against one another. Uh, I get a little bit of the the inside intel on what's going on with the Pacers right now with this early season thing and why Tony was pretty confident in the Pacers going into this game because it could be one of their first times having a mostly healthy starting lineup all season. So we'll talk about all that more next on the Locked on Knicks, Locked on Pacers crossover bonus episode right now. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, left. Now fires it. And he's fouled. Locked on crossover time. Pacers, Knicks tonight. Two teams that... One is doing very well, and one is not doing very well, meeting in Indiana to try to both continue on the paths they've been on this season, although the Knicks coming off loss, Pacers coming off win. We'll see where that guides these teams. I'm Tony East from the Locked On Pacers podcast. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. Of course, right next to me, if you're on YouTube, if you're not, as you can hear from Locked On Knicks, Mr. Alex Wolf. Alex, how are you, man? Hey. What's up, Tony? How you doing? I'm good. I'm, uh, you know... As you said, Nick's coming off a loss, so this has high potential to be a Nick's firing on all cylinders game. So I will just warn you ahead of time because uh, this is, they're probably coming off their worst loss of the season. So <laughs> I was workshopping that that could be the case, and you know, they yeah. after their last loss this season or their first loss, excuse me, they just smoked the Sixers in their next game. So always dangerous to get a good team coming off of a loss, and it's the Knicks and Pacers who. Join in lockstep as the two teams that Terrence Ross decides to be good against uh, in the NBA. So it'll be oh, fun to more? see how these two. <laughs> yeah, Terrence Ross actually averaged the Pacers and Knicks, the two teams he averaged the most points per game against last year and two years ago. He's just, it, it's ridiculous how good he is against those two teams. This game is fascinating to me because there's been a lot of like projections before the season about where these teams would end up. And a lot of them had the Pacers and Knicks really close in the standings, which didn't really feel right to me. The Knicks were the four seed last year. Have Julius Randle, RJ Barrett taking a step forward. Add Kemba Walker and the Pacers. Got a little better, but not as much better as the Knicks. That kind of surprised me. In the early season records, these teams have already separated a little bit, although the Pacers are definitely better than their two and six record. So what's up with the Knicks right now? How how good have they been so far? You know, they're currently five and two. And do you feel like it was kind of a misstep that they were on the level of the Pacers scene before the season? Yes and no. <laughs> like, it's tough to diagnose, right? Because I, I'd be a hypocrite if I if I didn't say like a win's a win. That's literally what I've been saying. I think I've I think I've let that phrase come out of my mouth like ten times over the last like 
<laughs> two weeks or whatever since the season started. Like, well, a win's a win. It doesn't matter if if it you know if you gave up a 12-0 run to the Bulls at the end of the game and they almost won the game, or if you you know let the Pelicans without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson get way too close for comfort, and it took R.J. Barrett scoring like 15 points in the fourth quarter to to finish that game off, like. A win's a win, and this is what good teams do. And we're not going to be looking back on this late in the season and be like, "Oh, well, the Knicks won 50 games this year or something." Like, if if the best happens, you know, and be like, "Oh, well, but they weren't quite good enough in the first three weeks of the season." So, you know, teams that are good and and teams like the Knicks that have gotten better find ways to win. That said, like, I I think maybe like you said with the Pacers, where they are better than their record would indicate so far. I think they're playing and people might not agree with this with me, but I think that there's definitely a case that the Knicks, you know, have played worse than their record indicates so far. The the thing with them is, is that they're so bad at, at just consistent effort throughout the whole game. Uh, the, the real big theme has been, I think, I think other than maybe the, the magic loss, their, their first loss of the season, which they kind of just stunk it up throughout the whole game. I think other than that, and maybe they, maybe I'm just misremembering, and they did in that game too. But I think they've held a double-digit lead in every single game this season. Um, you know, they there's not been a single one where they've had like a wire-to-wire, real close game with some team. Even though the Celtics game kind of turned into that with the two overtime thing and all that, um, you know, there just hasn't been too many where they've been like, like the entire for the entire game battling with a team. They've been getting out by like 15 sometimes 20 points in the first, second quarter, and then just blowing it. And, and it, it's like they revert back to just like the worst versions of themselves. They're ISOing constantly. They're not like they, – they play this beautiful team ball to open games sometimes where they're just whipping the ball around the perimeter and driving and kicking and everything's great. And then they just sort of find this complacency in the second quarter and, and sometimes the second half and – kind of like let it all slip away and then have to scramble at the end to try to pull the win out. And, you know, the thing in the Raptors game was they sort of just, they went way too hard on the the lazy aspect in the third quarter. And you know, also the second quarter, I mean, they let them get back into the game after being up by 15, but then the third quarter just totally blew it and just decided to stop defending the three-point line for whatever reason. And that was literally the only thing that that particular Raptors squad could do short their two best players. And, you know, they made tons of threes. So the big thing with the Knicks is like, I think that they have the, they have the talent to reach a level of that higher team. And I do think that if everything breaks perfectly for both of these two teams, the Knicks should be at least a couple playoff seats higher than the Pacers um, just based off like talent level and everything else. But they need to start taking every team a little more seriously because they're not like the 2017 Warriors or something where they can just like, not care for three quarters, turn it on for one quarter and and make a 15 point comeback and win just because they feel like it. So I think it's just finding that balance. And it's it's been a little rough to watch as a Knicks fan to start this season so far. You know, I am the only locked on host that will not give you sympathy for blowing big leads because let me tell you about the Indiana Pacers of the 2021-22 season. They are excellent in the first quarters and pretty good in the second and third quarters or in the second and fourth quarters. In the third quarters, the Pacers have the worst net rating in the NBA. They blew a 23-point lead against Charlotte in just one quarter in five minutes in their first game of the season. They blew a huge third-quarter lead against the Wizards in their second game of the season. They blew a huge lead against the Heat in their third game of the season in the third quarter. They scored eight points that quarter. 
Um, so they have the worst net rating in third quarters in the league. Minus 29. Very bad. Uh, the Knicks are at minus eight, if you want some reference for how uh, awful these if you check the fourth quarter, though, I think I saw a stat out there that the Knicks are like one of the two or three worst teams in the entire league in net rating in the fourth quarter right now, or defensive rating maybe is was the one. They are 25th in net rating in the fourth Bingo. quarter, and they are, in fact, last in defensive rating in the fourth quarter. Bingo. So maybe that's I think, where the Pacers can, can fight with this Knicks team. Yeah, I think they were at like 130 uh, defensive rating in the fourth quarter or something like that. It's ugly. It's very so Is this going to be the most ridiculous second half where the Knicks just dominate the third quarter? <laughs> <laughs> and the Pacers dominate the fourth quarter. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But that's what that's what made the, makes the Pacers so hard to evaluate compared to their record. Is they've looked good for a lot of their games, and they're always right, except for one Raptors game. Which why are the Raptors so hard to beat for these good teams? They <laughs> they just they just can't win. They've, they're two and six for a reason. So the Knicks will be a good test for them, and I think the Knicks have been a good test for them. I think the Pacers won, beat the Knicks on opening night last year, and then lost. The rest of their meetings. And the Knicks mm-hmm. are a tough matchup for them because for two reasons. One is the, the biggest kryptonite for the Pacers for seasons now, three seasons. So basically since Dad Young left is big forwards and strong forwards just destroy them. And Julius Randle is not like the pinnacle of that, right? He's just like a bowling ball against the Pacers. He just stumbles into the lane, bumps into guys and scores because they have nobody who can offer him enough resistance to stop him. Sabonis does well. At times defending him, Torrey Craig is better than anyone they've had in a couple seasons to do it. But they don't really have the right bodies for that, and he's done very well against them, and it's been a big factor. And the other one is, I don't know if you remember this, let's go through R.J. Barrett's early season of 2020, 2021. <laughs> oh, I remember this, team. man. I remember this vividly. <laughs> R.J. Barrett starts the season against the Pacers, 3-for-3 three three from deep. Next game, 0-for-6. Next game, 0-for-4. Next game, 0-for-3. Next game, 0-for-8. Then they play the Pacers again in the sixth game. R.J. Barrett shoots 4-for-5 from deep. It made no sense. He averaged 25 points against the Pacers last year, 6.7 rebounds, 3.3 assists, shot 79% from three. He was ridiculous against this Pacers team. So if that comes back down to earth, maybe the Pacers will have a little more of a shot. But between their inability to contain Randall just from their roster buildup and RJ just being absurd, they couldn't match up with this team. Now they have a lead guard in Kemba who's tremendous or better than what they had last year. So I think the Pacers can win certain matchups. Sabonis has done very well against the Knicks for years and years, for example. But they're really going to struggle with the Knicks' best players, and that that makes me feel like the Knicks have enough advantages to get a win in this game if they're playing their best. Well, let me tell you, uh, you've got something to look forward to, probably in a bad way, with R.J. Barrett. He's literally coming off. I mean, he's he's had probably the best three-game stretch of his career. The last three games, um, he's averaging, I think, like 27 and a half points on wow. roughly like 62, 62, 80 from the field. Uh, so, yeah, things are things are looking up for RJ right now. Um, he's been playing fantastic. If if anything, maybe Randall's play lately has been a little more subpar. Um, it doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, but I mean, he's been. Like offensively, for example, in the last game against the Raptors, he had 18 points in the first quarter and then only four points thereafter. Um, put up a decent decent counting stats other than that, but two games prior to that, wasn't scoring super well. He hasn't looked very engaged on the defensive end lately, which has not been great. Um, there's been you know some chatter among fans and whatever, just that he, he seems, I don't know, just disengaged for some reason right now. Um, but yeah, RJ, RJ is going to give you some trouble. 
<laughs> and I, I think that there's there's something to that. I mean, his game is looking fantastic this year. He was, and if it makes you feel better, Tony, last year, uh, other after those Pacers games and then that cold stretch, he shot like forty five percent from three for the rest of the year after like the first thirteen games of the season or something like that. So. I mean, he had himself a pretty good year after that. The Pacers ones kind of just portended what came <laughs> later on. Um, but I mean, he's he's looking like he's added so much to his game this year. He's he's hitting step back threes now. He's uh, getting into the lane and then pulling up for middies now and like baseline jumpers. Kind of reminiscent of what like Julius was like, like. What was his bread and butter last year? He's getting all the way into the hoop, and that's never been an issue for him. But finishing and drawing contact have been. And he's doing that so much better this year. He's finishing through contact like a madman. Um, I think he's over over that same stretch, or maybe even for the whole season so far, he's shooting like – actually, yeah, I think it was – I looked this up earlier for a piece. I think he's shooting like 63% from uh, like inside of 10 feet for the season so far right now. And he's kind of added like this little floater a little bit too, which is like a common theme on the Knicks. Like they freaking love floaters. Um, so he's, he's shooting the floater pretty well. He's getting all the way to the cup and finishing through contact. The the biggest thing is the pull-up shooting and he's doing those at such a higher frequency and then making them at a higher rate. He's shooting like 40% on almost two pull-up threes a game this year after shooting like 30% on like 0.2 or something last year. Uh, so he's, he's sort of, and I mean, it's small sample size, of course, but he's sort of starting to look like he might be making that transition from just like good player to we might have a a potential future superstar on our hands here and time will tell of course maybe the pacers this year maybe it'll be a bizarre world thing this will be the game where he falls back to earth um rather <laughs> the than the karmic going... balance of the universe demands that that exactly is <laughs> but but yeah he's looking great i mean he's the biggest story coming into this game i think from an individual perspective for the knicks well i will give you a reason for the Knicks to have fear in this game. And it is not something you're going to expect. And it's actually going to be very sad reason why the Knicks should have fear for this game. But before I do that, I got to tell everybody who's listening about the good people over at McDonald's because this episode of both Locked On Knicks and Locked On Pacers is brought to you by McDonald's, who have been proudly serving communities since 1965. They've always been more than just a place to get good food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up to study, knowing they'll have good Wi-Fi and good food. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge, and it's the place you can always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs, rest your legs and refuel. I used to go there with my mom and get McFlurries as a kid all the time. You've got to do something fun there, too, and maybe even one day we'll have a Locked On Pacers watch party or a Locked On Knicks watch party for games in a McDonald's. you got to go. Check them out. It's always been a place to get more than just food and have a good time. It's a place where you can reconnect. McDonald's, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Alex, here is your reason for fear about the Indiana Pacers in this basketball game. For the first time since April 18th, 2021, the Pacers will have four healthy starters in the same basketball game. That game, they had Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon, LaVert all healthy. Turner got hurt that game, missed the rest of the season. The start of this season, they missed LaVert. Right when LaVert came back, Brogdon got hurt. They haven't had TJ Warren all year. They've been three or two starters for most of their games. This is the time, for the first time in seven months, that the Pacers will have four healthy starters at the same time. 
fans of this team are counting their blessings because that's not even that awesome. But compared to what they've had, it is a huge blessing. So it's going to be awesome to see how Brogdon, who played very well this season when he was healthy, and Levert, who has been a huge jolt for this team since his return over the weekend, can fit together along with Sabonis, who has kicked the Knicks' butts uh, in recent seasons, and Turner, who's having, I think he still leads the league in blocks, or is up there. I'm looking forward to seeing all four of them together, and that gives me hope for this Pacers team because they've been playing well with fewer starters, so seeing how adding them in can help and also kicking some lower guys out of the rotation, that is where I get a little optimistic that the Pacers have at least a shot in this game. You know, the Knicks are obviously good. They beat them last year. They were the four seed. I get it. But just finally seeing this team under Rick Carlisle with all those guys at the same time is so fascinating to me, and I think that they all fit what he likes to do, given the sample size we've seen from them playing under him so far. So I think there's a chance that all those guys, and I'm assuming Chris Duarte is going to be the fifth starter, playing at the same time is going to give this Pacers team a big boost, especially at home. And that gives me optimism that the Pacers can be just hard enough to guard for this Knicks team in this game. Well, let me let me give you a counterpoint here. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately for the Pacers, being at full strength maybe means that the Knicks will take them more seriously. <laughs> Because it seems the two games that the Knicks lost this year were woefully shorthanded teams. Um, they faced the Magic, who were like, I don't know if things have gotten a little better for them health-wise, but at the time, we're down like Isaac, Fultz, and someone else, I think, uh, which are a couple pretty, pretty key players for them. Uh, and then the Raptors yesterday were down... Not just Siakam, who they have been down, but then also Scotty Barnes somewhat unexpectedly. And I think that's part of why the Knicks come out, think that they can just get up by 15 points and then just stop playing. Uh, so I know this is exciting for you, but this might inspire <laughs> the Knicks to beat on them a little harder. Um, one matchup, though, that I will say that I am really intrigued to watch based off what you said uh, with Miles Turner, I, there was a lot of Knicks fan debate uh like of if turner became available you know he's always one of those guys that comes up like oh the knicks should look for him because he can shoot the three but he can still block shots and do all the stuff that they want out of the center position and uh some people like me like mitchell robinson a little better for various reasons and mitch has played really well so far this year i think he's bulked up a ton he's uh i i mean he's just an absolute monster on the glass right now uh, he's still he's not blocking as many shots on like a hard number basis, but he's the ult. I think the ultimate rim deterrent in the NBA right now. I mean, literally, I've seen players come in, have somewhat of a shot at getting to the rim and then seeing Mitch like two strides away and, and making the business decision to not even go for it and kicking it out out of, you know, to the three point line or whatever again even if there's not anything particularly great out at the three-point line for them to kick it to. Um, so, yeah, it's it'll be an intriguing matchup. I'm, I, I want to see how that goes. Also, I mean, Randall and Sabonis, that's such a fun matchup. I mean, two All-Stars last year. Uh, Sabonis, I think, now two-time All-Star, right? He was All-Star right. last year and the year prior. Yep. Um, but they, they have kind of similar play styles where they're, you know, they're, they're bigs, you know, that score points and get rebounds, but they also – are probably, I mean, just out of, but we'll we'll use the qualifier of out of power forwards because then that rules out like Jokic, <laughs> uh, but probably <laughs> the two best passing power forwards in the NBA. If I had to rank them, 
so they, they always play an entertaining brand of basketball. So that should be a fun matchup to watch. That was one that I remember. It looked like Randall was kind of taking personally last year. Like there was, I think it was the third matchup between the two uh, that Randall went off, if I remember correctly. And also sort of was like a defensive menace on Sabonis in that game. Um, I know there was one of them last year. I don't know if it was the second or third game, but yeah, it's, it'll be fun to watch, uh, but just beware being at full strength generally means the Knicks take you more seriously <laughs> and they're more likely to win those games than they are against the, the teams that have multiple starters out uh, and you know, that they come in taking them too lightly and then take their foot off the gas about eight minutes into the game. So it, it'll be intriguing to see, but as I said too, I, you know, you might also be in for just no matter who's out there an angry Knicks team that will play for 48 minutes just because they've been getting chewed out by Tibbs for two straight days. So that's also <laughs> potentially on the, on the docket there. Unbelievably fair. Yeah. I, I think the Pacers had the, you know, I don't know if Carlisle chewed anybody out, but you know, Sabonis after one practice was talking about how they need a little more effort to start games. So I think the Pacers had their little kick in the butt after their one and four start as well. So I, I'm, I'm excited for this game for a litany of reasons. And the, the biggest matchup and the biggest one you already mentioned is Sabonis and Randall. And it's fun that like, it's not old school, you know, they're not like back to the basket post up guys, but just the the way the NBA is now, they're kind of unique in the in the way they play and the way they operate and the, and the type of players they are. And so just seeing them going at each other is always really fun to me. And they're both lefties, which is always cool, too. So <laughs> just that that little bit of a shift compared to what you normally watch is really exciting. And uh, yeah, outside of the, the game you just said, I think it was right before the All-Star break, too. So voting mm -hmm. might have been a factor in in Randall's. Um, enhanced motivation to dominate in that game, but yeah, he he that was the the blueprint for him to do well against Sabonis, who has typically done well against the Knicks. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Carlisle tries to get Sabonis buckets. And Turner versus Mitch Rob is always fascinating. Uh, I, I I would advise you to check on Miles Turner's three point percentages for the last three seasons before he gets the three and D label from other fan bases. But he is he can shoot better than most centers for sure. Yeah. Um, but he, he's mostly just a defensive beast at this point. He did have a 40 point game this season. So in the right matchups, you know, when he can put the ball on the floor a little more, he, he can really be a disruptor. So he might be able to stretch Mitch out because of that more so than the shooting. The biggest matchup to me isn't even one you said yet. And that is Malcolm Brogdon versus Kimball Walker, because I value lead ball handling play quite a bit. And if Brogdon can outplay Kemba, which is very hard to do, uh, even though Kemba's been a little inconsistent for the Knicks based on my limited watching. I have not watched all their games. Uh, I think that that can be a big for the Pacers. Brogdon's had some good games for this team, although he's been inconsistent even within a game. He'll struggle in one quarter and be awesome in the next. So if he can put – he struggles guarding Kemba in the past. He's very quick laterally, which Brogdon kind of struggles with. So that could be a big advantage for the Knicks. If he can defend pretty well – and kind of be stretching the floor out and, and playing off of Levert and Sabonis, which he hasn't been able to do all season. I think that could be a big key for the Pacers to to get some advantages in this game. But, I mean, Kemba's been a beast for so long. So I don't know how to how to rate, rate that matchup. But it just it, starting five on starting five, there's so many fascinating matchups in this game that could shift the balance of who wins. Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to see too because, I mean, obviously Brogdon is, I think, a, a pretty damn good defender. And, like, he presents some issues for guys like Kemba because he's so big you know it's it's yeah. like Kemba is so small and, and you know to have a guy in a Brogdon that can capably defend you at the one like that can be a little difficult um when you're a diminutive point guard like that that said like one thing and I mean maybe this is just something that well I feel like I never really saw too much of this because Kemba was always kind of like 
the guy handling the ball. But since he's been with the Knicks, they've been running him like off screens a little bit more now um, and, and trying to utilize him in that way. Or, you know, occasionally he'll still have the ball in his hands, but they'll run like a double screen from up, up top with like Randall and uh, Mitch. And then they'll like sort of give, it's almost like a read option where it's like he gets the option then of, okay, do I want to just like hoist the three here? Do I want to drive in just a little draw Randall's defender and then kick to him for a, like a pick and pop sort of? Do I want to take it all the way towards the rim and then hit Mitch for a lob? And he's done all those different things. Um, the thing to me that stood out, and this was something that, he did, I think, in the Sixers game that the uh, the Knicks won. I think he did this a couple times, and it was sort of like his first like breakout um, for them in that game because he had struggled a little bit in the first few games of the season. Uh, he was taking those screens, and then just his his pull up is just so lightning quick that I mean, his man. I think I think he had Thibel on him at one point. I mean, who obviously is a fantastic defender, and Thibel tried to get over the screen and was pretty successful against most players in the NBA. He probably would have bothered their shot in some way. And also the defender of whoever, whoever it was, maybe it was Tobias Harris or something was trying to like cheat up also. And he was just so quick with the find a spot, pull up, shoot that he, he was able to get those shots off. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show when they're at their best, the Knicks have been coming up with sets that even when they're well defended, can generate shots for guys like Kemba because he is, he's still so talented. The one thing that maybe he's falling off a bit is the getting to the rim and the finishing at the rim, but his pull-up shooting is still like elite of elite when it's at its best. And, and I mean, that's been showing so far this year, he's shooting like, like something obscene from three. It's like 56% on like six, seven attempts per game or something like that. So it's been, it's been showing through and that's something they've been leaning on heavily. So I, I can't imagine that's going to change too much in this game. It would be a good test for Brogdon, though, to see how he is, you know, defensively against uh, Kemba like that. I would certainly give the Knicks the bench guard advantage with Rose and IQ quickly. He's so close to a breakout that I, I, I don't know if it'll be this year, but he is, he is good. And the Pacers yeah. have Isaiah Jackson now, so hopefully they can benefit from every Kentucky player ever being underdrafted for some reason. But I think yeah. the forward advantage on the bench would go to the Pacers between Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig. Although, again, no slouches for Taj Gibson and Alec Burks. And even now, Obi Toppin, who I picked mm-hmm. to win Rookie of the Year last year like a complete idiot because he didn't even play. Uh, so that a good reason to get it wrong. So maybe the Knicks bench is a little better, but that could be a wash. Maybe I'm just being a little Pacers colored glasses in that discussion. That said, I think this will just come down to which starters can be better than their opposition matchup. It's, it's very interesting how it stacks out kind of evenly between the best players at the same positions. The big question, Alex, who's winning this game? I mean, I think it's going to be the Knicks. Uh, if this was, if the Knicks had magically pulled out that game against the Raptors yesterday, I would probably say the Pacers would have a really good shot at winning this game, coming back full strength and all that stuff. But I think we've sort of seen with the Knicks so far this year that if they, I mean, there's only been two of them so far, and so we only have a sample size of one since the you know since the the second comeback game hasn't happened yet. But on games coming off of a embarrassing sort of loss like that, where they're facing a shorthanded team and then just kind of get their butts handed to them, uh, they've they did pretty well the first time. So <laughs> I think they're going to come out with a certain certain verve and anger uh, in how they're playing, and and I think that's pretty dangerous if they stay engaged the whole game because that's really been their biggest problem is just not staying engaged for all forty eight minutes and. Uh, 
I, I think they're going to do that. I think they ultimately win this game. The Pacers have only played bad once this year. That was the Raptors last Wednesday. Ironically, maybe Wednesday games are just their kryptonite. But you know, I think they can hang with the Knicks for most of the game, but they haven't. We talked about second-half struggles. You know, it might just be if they can play a consistent game, the Pacers can win. By the way, I will pick the Knicks as well just because I think they're better. But I think this game will be very close the entire time. The Pacers are winning. Yeah. For what it's worth, I think so too. I think so. Yeah. I think it'll be close as well. I think most Knicks Pacers games for like all of time have been close. That was that game, I think, two seasons ago where neither team scored for like the last four minutes and it was like a three point mm-hmm. game the entire mm-hmm. time. And Randall missed a free throw right at the end that, that let the Pacers win in MSG. But I was at I was at that game. That was fun. Yeah, that was a good one. So you know, I had a nice fun, block, I think, to, to seal that one as well. So fun fun story for locked on Pacers fans. I got to I was lucky enough to uh, to be covering the Knicks for Sports Illustrated at that time, and I was sitting next to one Malika Andrews before like two two months before she like completely blew up and became like the biggest freaking person in the NBA sphere. So you know, put that on my resume. Once sat next to Malika <laughs> Andrews at MSG watching Julius Randle choke away a game against the Pacers. So. <laughs> oh, and she fa- she famously, in my mind, asked. She turned to me and goes, "Do you think he's gonna make it?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and then funny you remember it. those random that i went to a, a pacers heat not uh i don't remember if it was, it was an important game for some reason uh but sham strani was there he sat right next to me the whole his parish pass right next to me i was like oh that okay yeah i saw him at, i saw him at msg one time too he pulled up near me in the writing room kind of towards the end and he was wearing like a very nice looking suit and some like gucci sneakers or something and I was he was like, dressed very doing- nice i think i think he was yeah. doing a tv thing with jimmy butler i can't quite remember but yeah, yeah. it's it, like we all belong in those chairs, but you just—it's always surprising to be like, oh, you know, that that guy's a megastar in the industry. That mm-hmm. you know, he's mm-hmm. sitting right next to me. So yeah, I think this will be a fascinating game. I think the Knicks are better, but I get how the Pacers can win. And either way, I think fans for the Pacers will be jazzed up to have four starters playing at the same time. It's unbelievable. So looking forward to this game, guys. If you're on YouTube, this is a crossover, so I'll let you do this too. But Alex is on Twitter. Alex, where can people follow you and all your stuff? Yeah, so you can check me out at the Alex Wolf on Twitter, uh, at Locked On Knicks on Twitter. I'm the editor in chief of a Knicks site called The Strickland, which you can find at thestrict.land if you want to go on there and read up on the Knicks a little more. We post game recaps after every game and some other articles. I think if you're listening to this on Wednesday, we should have a really good piece from one of our one of our better writers coming out this morning uh, that you'll really enjoy potentially. If you want to learn more about the Knicks, and then also I've been writing for Clutch Points. So, I mean, they have Pacers coverage as well, but I've been, of course, doing the Knicks side of that. So check out Clutch Points as well. But yeah, that's it for me. And I'll throw it to you, Tony. Why not? You know, technically, I think this is more of a, a Locked on Pacers themed thing here, but this is going to be on Locked on Knicks' feed as well. So why don't you tell everybody where to find you too? Of course. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at T East NBA on Twitter, and this podcast is at Locked on Pacers. And I would tell you everywhere I write for, but I just share them all in one place anyway, so that just <laughs> makes it easier for everybody. All the links will be on my own feed. Yes, if you're on the Lockdown Pacers feed, this show will keep going. I got one more segment to talk about. So let's do that, Alex. Thank you for the time, man. <laughs>